Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 1. We are unpacking God's truth for our lives in this fantastic letter written from Paul to Titus and to us years and years ago. Titus chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 1. We are uh, making our way out of this greeting section. Paul wrote in Titus chapter 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness and the hope of eternal life that God who cannot lie promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. Paul was a servant of God and an apostle for Jesus Christ. Paul was saved by God and sent out by God to serve. We are servants of God. We are witnesses for Jesus Christ. We have been saved by God and sent out by God to serve. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those God places around us on a daily basis. Our hope of eternal life with God helps to guide us and encourage us as we serve those God places around us. We know, as Paul shared, that God has revealed himself and his will will to us and his word uh, to us. Therefore, we preach and teach and read and study and obey and share God's word, his will for us. For today and this week is found in his word to us. Continuing in verse four, to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Titus was Paul's true, sincere, genuine son in the faith. Paul and Titus, a Jew and a Gentile, shared a common saving faith in Jesus. They shared a faith in the truth of God's word necessary for salvation and for spiritual growth. Grace and peace that we see here in verse 4 was a common greeting from Paul in his writings. Grace is the undeserved, unearned favor and blessings of God poured in us and on us in Christ Jesus. God, in his grace to us, his favor on us, sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our sins. Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of sin that stood between us and God by his perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection. Grace. This is the amazing grace of God towards you and me in Christ Jesus. Peace is the inner calm we have because we know we are right with God in Christ Jesus. We know once we receive the grace of God, by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we are able to know the peace of God. And so we understand this peace passes all understanding. The peace of God that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Our war with God due to our sin against God is over. And we now have peace with God. And so we're able to walk in the peace of God day by day. 
Paul told Timothy, he told Titus, he told Barnabas, he told Silas, he told all those he wrote to. He's telling us again this morning that we need to embrace God's grace and peace. You need to embrace it in your life. I need to embrace it in my life. But we also need to express God's grace and peace to one another and to those God places around us. Paul's focus up at this point in his greeting has been on identity. Paul knew who he was. He was a servant of God, and he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was a messenger, a witness for Jesus. Paul was devoted to God, and he was devoted to God's people. Paul reminded Titus here about his identity. Titus, too, was a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus. Titus was a messenger and a witness for Jesus. You see, Paul wanted Titus to be clear about who he was. God wants us this morning to be clear about who we are. We don't get our identity from our job our bank account, our children, our accomplishments, our likes, followers, or friends. Our identity is in and from King Jesus. We are disciples, followers, ministers, servants, witnesses, messengers for Jesus. We have great significance, value, and worth in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We have great value from our Father God in His Son, our Savior, King Jesus. God wants us to be aware about our identity. This is important in this greeting. You see, what happens here, as we're going to see this morning, is Paul finished his greeting here in verse 4. And he's moving now into the body of his letter, beginning in verse 5. And so as we get to verse 5, we're going to see Paul wanted to make sure that Titus understood his identity, who he was, because he was going to move to the next point as we make our way into verse 5. God wants us as well to make sure we know our identity. He doesn't want us seeking our value, seeking our significance. God does not want us linking up our worth to our jobs or to our bank account or to our children or to our accomplishments or to how many likes or followers we have. He doesn't want us linking our identity to those sources. He wants us to understand and know our identity needs to be found in and from and through King Jesus. He never fails us. He never forsakes us. He never changes. All those other options that our enemy loves to encourage us to link our identity to change. They all will fail us. Uh, And so we see how important this identity is as we now transition into verse 5. So let's move into verse 5. And uh, we continue now. We're moving into the body of the letter. And Paul writes, uh, The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town. Paul here shared the reason for his letter to Titus with Titus. And this is really helpful. 
And so let's look at a, at a few points that we see right here real quick in, in verse 5. Just a couple of points that jump out and we'll, we'll kind of uh, walk through and apply them in our lives, in our context today. A couple of points we see right here. Number one, purpose is important. Purpose is important. Paul wrote, the reason I left you in Crete. Paul not only wanted Titus to be clear on his identity, verses 1 through 4, he wanted Titus now to be clear on his purpose. He said, I want you to know that you know that you know why you're in Crete and what you're supposed to do while you're in Crete. He wanted Titus to be clear on his purpose. Now, Paul and Titus ministered together for a brief period of time in Crete. Real quick geography lesson. Crete is a Greek island uh, that is located in the Mediterranean Sea. You can still go visit it today. A beautiful Greek island in the Mediterranean Sea. It's about 60 miles southeast of Greece. It's about 110 miles southwest of Turkey. Sits right there in the Mediterranean Sea. Paul, in his three missionary journeys that we learned about in the book of Acts, Paul did not visit or mention Crete, this island, in any of his three missionary journeys uh, that we read about from Luke. We do know, however, according to Luke in the book of Acts, toward the end of the book of Acts, that Paul uh, was traveling, and he did travel actually along the coast of Crete, and quite possibly made a couple of stops along the coast of Crete as he was on board a ship that was sailing to Rome. You see, back in Jerusalem, Paul had appealed to King Festus and King Agrippa that he wanted to go and speak to Caesar in Rome. And so they put him on board a ship and the ship sailed and it hit storms and it drifted and it ended up, uh, the ship ended up traveling along the coast of Crete. And so Paul had some familiarity with Crete due to this travel by ship, but we know Paul did not get out of the ship and go and minister with Titus uh, in Crete at that period of time. Most likely, Paul ministered for a brief period of time with Titus in Crete in between Paul's two imprisonments in Rome. Paul was imprisoned in Rome, and then he was freed, and he was allowed to go and minister. And it is at that point in time that Paul most likely traveled with Titus to Crete, did ministry there on Crete, and then Paul, led by the Holy Spirit of God, left Titus in Crete to continue the work they had started while, led by the Holy Spirit of God, Paul traveled elsewhere to continue ministering in between those two imprisonments. And we know, according to the chapter 3, the final chapter of T Titus, that he ended up making his way to Nicopolis, where he uh, wintered there. So we see the purpose is real clear here in verse 5. Paul left Titus in Crete to fulfill God's purpose. Here was the purpose for Titus. Titus was to provide leadership and organization to the churches throughout Crete. That's clear from verse 5. Titus was to stay in Crete and provide leadership and organization to the churches in Crete. Second point, first, purpose is important. Second point, leadership is necessary. Whether it's in a family, 
in school, in a class, in a job, in a business, in a company, whether it's in uh, being involved on an athletic team, whether it's in a local church, whether uh, it's any types of those relationships, we know, we see all the time in our day-to-day lives, leadership is of utmost importance. Leadership is important. God spoke loud and clear on the priority of leadership for you and me. And you know this as well as I do. God spoke loud and clear on the importance of leadership for us when he placed his Holy Spirit in us at the moment of our salvation. The Holy Spirit leads us to live God's way. The Holy Spirit leads us to love God's way. The Holy Spirit leads us to follow Jesus day by day. The Holy Spirit leads us to walk in obedience to the truth of God's word. The Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs us. Effective, faithful, wise leadership is crucial to success. And Paul knew that this was especially true as it relates to the local church. Which is why he left Titus in Crete to provide leadership and organization to the churches throughout Crete. We know proper biblical leadership in the church is necessary for the growth, health, and effectiveness of the church. Proper biblical leadership in the church is necessary for the growth, health, and effectiveness of the church. And so we're going to take a deep dive into this leadership structure of the local church uh, as we make our way now in verse 5 and beyond, doing a deep dive on God's priority in leadership. And he wants leadership for you and me because he's placed his Holy Spirit in us and his word before us. And so we see and know this. And so we're going to now take a view of what this looks like within the context of a local church setting through Paul's relationship with Titus, and then we'll apply it to our setting here today. So he tells Titus, the reason I left you in Crete, we see, we've seen that, was to set right what was left undone. Let's talk about that for a moment. To set right what was left undone. Set right means to put or set in order. It literally means to straighten out. It's interesting. Paul here took a medical term uh, and used it in this letter to Titus. Set right, in the original language, it's a medical term. It's the term from which uh, we get, uh, it's from the word orthos, and it's the word we get our words orthodontics and orthopedists from today. Orthos. Just as an orthodontist straightens teeth, just as an orthopedist straightens bones, so Titus was called by God through Paul to straighten out the churches in Crete. He said, set right, straighten them out. Set right what was left undone. What was left undone. So let's, let's look at what he's talking about there. What was left undone was a reference to the things that were happening in the churches in Crete that were out of order with God's desire and plan for those churches. 
what was left undone were also included the things that Paul and Titus weren't able to get to in regards to setting up the leadership and to doing ministry right in these churches because, again, Paul only ministered there for a short period of time, and then he continued on, which is why he left Titus there. What was left undone also more than likely included some of the things that they had started and implemented in the churches, but because he left and had to go quickly, they may have been those things that though implemented and they got off to a good start, they weren't continued and practiced in the churches. We're going to find out as we make our way through uh, Titus uh, in this teaching, we're going to find out exactly what was left undone. Uh, as Paul's going to tell Titus, and we're going to learn, oh, this is what was left undone. This is what he needed to do. Now, we know from verse 5, one thing in particular that was left undone, and we're going to address it next. But what we do know is this. Paul loved the believers in Crete, and he didn't abandon these believers. Paul left Titus in Crete to minister, to serve, to bless, to lead, to organize the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in the churches on this island of Crete. He made sure that they were cared for. Though God had led him to move on, he also led Titus to stay there and to provide that godly leadership in the churches in Crete. So he said to set right. He said, I need you to set right what was left undone. Now watch this. He says, and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. He said, and as I directed you. This gives us indication that what he's getting ready to say next was something that was important. It was something that he had discussed in person with Titus in Crete. And now it was something that he was reminding Titus of in his letter to Titus. And he said, Titus, I need you to do one thing in particular. The first thing that was left undone. If you want to have an example of what was left undone, let me tell you what was left undone. Titus, I need you to make sure you do this. Make sure that godly, qualified leaders, pastors, elders are placed in the churches in Crete. Whatever you do, make sure that you set in place godly, qualified elders in every town. And he said, as I directed you to appoint. Appoint means to designate. It means to put in charge. It means to select. It means to set over. What Paul was telling Titus, and Titus knew this because of his ministry with Paul in these churches, but Paul was making it clear. God's people in Crete needed godly leaders. God's people in Crete needed godly leaders. Listen, as sheep need a shepherd, God's people need pastors. As sheep need a shepherd, God's people need pastors. We see this throughout God's word. This is exactly appointing, designating, selecting leaders in the local churches. This is exactly what Paul and Barnabas did in the churches they planted on their first missionary journey that we read about back in the book of Acts. If you turn to your left to Acts chapter 14, if you want to move real quick to Acts chapter 14, we'll get right back to Titus. But in Acts chapter 14, we see an example of this 
Uh, we remember, I'm sure you remember as you've read, and we've done some teaching on this first missionary journey of Paul's uh, as he took Barnabas and they went and they planted churches, Iconium, Leicester, Derby, uh, Antioch, and Pisidia. And then they went back through after they planted churches and they appointed elders. Paul and Barnabas did this. In, in Acts 14, in verse 23, Luke wrote, When they had appointed elders, they being Paul and Barnabas, for when they appointed elders for them in every church, in what church? Every church in every church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul did this himself, and now Paul was tasking Titus. Titus, this is something that I did. This is something that God desires to happen in his local churches. Now I'm giving you the task. Titus, make sure that you appoint, designate, select, put in charge godly qualified leaders in each and every local church in Crete. And he said to appoint elders. Let's look at that word elders. Elders means, elders refers to the spiritually mature, godly qualified men who have been set apart by God, called by God, equipped by God, appointed by God's Holy Spirit through Paul and Barnabas and now through Titus to serve God in the local churches. Elders are those spiritually mature, godly qualified leaders that God has raised up and God has called to serve him as the leaders in local churches. Elder, pastor, overseer. These are three titles that are used interchangeably in the New Testament to describe the same leadership position in the local church. Luke told us uh, in the book of Acts, how God's leadership plan for the local ch church uh, changed from the apostles initially, as you see the disciples, the apostles there at the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt uh, among them and in them. And so the apostles started leading the first church in Jerusalem, but the leadership structure that God wanted for his local church shifted, changed as the church grew in Jerusalem and as the church spread out from Jerusalem to the Roman world and beyond. And it's still God's plan for churches today. The shift was from the apostles to elders in the local churches. And he said, appoint elders in every town. And every town means in every town, in every city, in every church. A local New Testament church a local church body in every city, in every town, is to be led by elders and pastors, plural, not elder and pastor, singular. Notice that elders is in the plural. They're to be led by elders and pastors, plural, not singular. The reason for a plurality of elders is simple. It's for protection for the church and for the elders. It's protection for the body. It's not one individual lording it over everyone and being domineering and dominant and taking and making all the decisions for a local body of believers. It's for a group of elders to come together and to minister and serve together and to prayerfully lead the local church in God's direction. This is God's plan for 
his local church. So let's look now here uh, and let's look at three reasons for elder leadership. Three reasons elder leadership was needed here uh, that Paul was talking to Titus in Crete. And in many respects, uh, some of these reasons will also apply to us today. Reasons for elder leadership that we see here from uh, Paul to Titus as it related to the churches here in Crete. The first was ministry was new. Ministry was new. The churches in, in Crete were relatively young. A little background, we know uh, Luke told us that there were some from Crete who had traveled to Jerusalem uh, for Pentecost, and they were there in Jerusalem during Pentecost when uh, God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in his apostles and disciples, and the first church in Jerusalem was birthed. That we read about from Luke at the beginning part, the first few chapters in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 11 uh, says this, Cretans and Arabs, Cretans, obviously those from Crete, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. Luke was writing here about how God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, when his Holy Spirit dwelled, came and dwelt among the disciples and followers of Jesus there at Pentecost in Jerusalem, God supernaturally gave his disciples the gift of tongues. That means the ability to speak in the known languages of all the people who had gathered there uh, for Pentecost in Jerusalem. And so those from Crete, uh, those from all over the Roman world had traveled uh, to Jerusalem, those Jews that had been spread out all over the Roman world all over the Roman world, and they were able to hear the good news of the gospel in their own language, which allowed them then to respond to the good news of the gospel, to receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus. So we know there would have been some from Crete who were there at the beginning of the book of Acts. At Pentecost, they would have heard the good news of the gospel in their language. They would certainly have received that gospel, and then they would have traveled back home to Crete, where they would have shared it with those they're in Crete, but they would have also, in returning to Crete, been focused in and they would have matched back up against the Jewish population there in Crete, which was still tied to the Orthodox Old Testament way of works righteousness. And so we also know Paul and Titus had only ministered there for a short period of time and then Paul had to leave. So ministry was new. That's why it was important as Paul was leaving, he made sure in this letter, he said, hey, Titus, you have got to make sure that you appoint elders in each town, in each church, in each town. Don't miss one because this gospel is new and it's growing and we need godly men who are qualified and equipped, spiritually mature enough to lead the local church ministry was new. A second reason uh, that they needed elder leadership was the enemy was at work. The enemy was at work. We know that the believers in the churches in Crete were facing opposition as they followed Jesus. They were having to deal with false teachers, false teachers who were trying to lead them away from God and the truth of his word. We see in Titus chapter 1, we'll skip down to verses 10 and 11. We're gonna get to, we'll get to this uh, in a few weeks. Man, this is such good stuff right here in verse 10 and 11. But watch this. For there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party, Orthodox Jews. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. Whoa! So the enemy was at work. 
he was using these false teachers and their false teaching and their impure and improper motives to try to lead God's people away from God and his truth. And so Paul said, hey, Titus, you need to make sure you appoint elders in every church and every town because the elders' role is to oppose false teachers and refute false teaching. They got to refute that false teaching. We understand this today. We face opposition today as brothers and sisters in Christ as we seek to follow Jesus. There are false teachers that are prevalent today. And these false teachers are sharing their false teaching. And our enemy is at work today trying to lead God's people away from God and the truth of his word through the false teaching of false teachers. And so elders, pastors are called today to oppose the false teachers and to refute their false teaching so that the body of Christ can continue growing together in their truth and understanding of the word of God. This is so important for us today. That's the reason why. Paul was telling Titus, man, Titus, you got to make sure we got pastors and elders in every church. You got to make sure. The ministry's new. There's a lot of change, a lot going on. The enemy is at work. And then a third reason uh, for elder leadership is God's people need help. The Christian life, as we talk about often here, the Christian life is the best life, and it is certainly the blessed life, but it's not the easy life. It's not the easy life. We know and understand that we have an enemy who comes against us day by day, moment by moment, step by step to keep us from what God has for us. We know this. We understand this. These believers faced opposition. These believers were struggling in their faith as they tried to continue growing in their faith in Christ Jesus. We at times face opposition. We struggle at times in our faith as we try to continue following after Christ Jesus. We need help. God's people need God's help to live God's way. These brothers and sisters in Crete in these churches needed God's help to live God's way. We need God's help to live God's way. There's not a follower of Jesus Christ that doesn't need God's help to live God's way. That's why God placed his Holy Spirit in us, his Holy Word before us, and our brothers and sisters in Christ around us. That's one of the reasons why God has gifted us with godly pastors and elders. One of the ways that God helps his people live his way. One of the ways that God helps his people love his way is through godly elders and pastors who commit themselves to preaching and teaching God's word, who commit to providing a godly example for folks to follow and to see the word lived out. Godly men who are willing to encourage, rebuke, and correct with great patience and teaching, who are willing to watch over the flock, to warn the flock, and to protect God's people from the false teachers and their false teaching. But the reality is elders need God's help to live God's way as just as everyone else does, which is another reason why Paul used elders and pastors plural. There's not an elder who doesn't need God's help to live God's way. There's not an elder, a pastor today that doesn't need a group of others around them to help them and to encourage them and to challenge them to live God's way. That's the beauty of the plurality of elders. And so we see how important this is. We, God's people, need God's help. And God helps us through pastors and elders. You see, it's pastors who help us to win the battle within. 
Each one of us, as a follower of Jesus Christ, is fighting a battle within, right here, right now. Some of you, the battle within is what is raging most importantly within your heart and your mind right now. It's the battle within. As followers of Jesus, we know that we are still prone to turn away from God and sin against God. We're prone to give in to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride in our possessions, as John told us. That's why Peter said, abstain from the sinful desires that rage and wage war against your soul. We are all dealing with a battle within, and that battle is within, it's us. It's a battle against me. My greatest opponent, my greatest challenge, my greatest problem in my life is me. God has to rescue me from me every moment of every day. Every step of my way. And the same is true for you. So godly pastors and elders remind us, teach us, help us to win the battle within. But they also help us to win the battle without. And maybe this morning some of you are dealing with that battle without. What am I talking about? With the battle without, well, that's where our enemy uses our circumstances and other people to discourage us, to hurt us, to come against us, to ridicule us, to put us down, to cause us to question ourselves about everything we thought we knew, to cause us to turn away from God and his plan for our life. He's constantly trying to use others or our circumstances to pull us away from God. The truth of God's word. And it's those godly pastors and elders who are faithful to preach and teach God's word that remind us to put God's word into practice in our lives. As the psalmist said in Psalm 16, I keep the Lord in mind always because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I keep the Lord in mind always. It means I'm always focusing on him. I got my mind on the Father. You will keep in perfect peace the mind that is steadfast for it's trusting in you, Isaiah said. I keep the Lord in mind always. And because I'm keeping the Lord in mind always, because I'm thinking about God in all my ways, because I'm setting my mind on things above, not on earthly things, I know he is at my right hand. And when I know, and my eyes and my eyes and my mind is on the Lord, and when I know he's at my right hand, then I'm not going to be shaken. And neither will you. You see, when we keep the Lord in mind always, He's at our right hand. We remember that. That means we remember that we got all the grace that we need in Jesus. The all-sufficient, amazing grace, the favor and blessings of God has been poured into our lives in King Jesus. As we keep the Lord in mind always, we are reminded that we have all the wisdom we need in Jesus. That God is the God of all truth. That Jesus is the truth. That Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We have all the wisdom we need right here that the Holy Spirit will pour into our lives because you see, we're keeping our mind on the fathers as we keep our mind on him. We're reminded he's at our right hand. We're not going to be shaken because we're going to enjoy and embrace the grace of God, the wisdom of God. Hey, listen, when we keep our minds on the father at all times, we know he's at our right hand. We are reminded that we have all the love of God that we need. This love of God that is so wide, high, long, and deep that none of us can get to the ends of it. The love of God that tells us God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He's changing us to be more like Jesus. This love that tells us God loves us uh, and, and there's nothing that we can do to change or alter his love for us. He's constantly at work in us, out of his love for us, drawing us closer and closer to him. But we know as well that as we keep the Lord in mind always, he's at our right hand. We also know we have all the power of God that we need right there with our Father. We're not going to be shaken. Why? Because we have the power of God at work in us. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength in those difficult circumstances when we don't have anything, when we have much, and in every stage in between. You see, we need God's help. And so 
elder leadership was necessary here in these churches. And Paul was telling Titus, man, whatever you do, here's the, one of the, here's the first thing that we left undone. And Paul certainly wanted to get to this, wasn't able to. It wasn't God's uh, design for him in Crete. And so he said, hey, Titus, I'm leaving, but the first thing I need you to do, what you need to do that has been left undone, is you need, need to appoint those elders. Appoint elders in every church, in every town, so that the work of God and the will of God, the ministry of God can continue to grow forth and so that the word of God can continue to be preached and taught. So what is our application today? What is our application? As we begin our deep dive into leadership in the local church, what is our application? What can we take away and apply in our lives this morning? What's real simple. I want to focus on one key point, real simple, and that is we need to fulfill our purpose. We need to fulfill our purpose from the Father. You need to fulfill your purpose, and I need to fulfill my purpose. Our identity is in Jesus, and our purpose is for Jesus. Our identity is in Jesus, and our purpose is for Jesus. Our purpose, your purpose, and my purpose is one and the same as a follower of Jesus Christ. Your purpose and my purpose is to glorify God. That is our purpose. Our purpose is to bring honor and glory and praise to our great and heavenly and awesome God. As Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our purpose is to glorify God. We glorify God as we live and love God's way. We glorify God as we show our faith in God by our obedience to God. We glorify God as we deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus. We glorify God as we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us in his word. We glorify God as we do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but as we think of ourselves in accordance with sober judgment in line with the truth of God's word. We glorify God as we look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others and humility, considering others better than ourselves. We glorify God as we humble ourselves before God, knowing that he will lift us up in his time, in his way to fulfill his purpose for us. You see, we must remember we have been saved by God and sent out by God to serve. God wants us to do the good works that he has prepared ahead of time for us to do. And therefore, we surrender ourselves to God on a day-by-day basis so that we can then fulfill our purpose from God for Jesus to serve those he places around us. And as we serve those he places around us, we bring honor and glory and praise to him. Our purpose is to glorify God. And let me just give you one application point this morning, just so that we're all on the same page. Our job is God's provision for us to fulfill God's purpose for us. Your job, my job, is God's provision for us to fulfill God's purpose for us. Our job is not our purpose. Our job is God's provision for us to fulfill God's purpose for us. That's why the scripture says that we're to work as unto the Lord and not to others. That's why that we know the scripture teaches us that we're God's witnesses at work. We're to let the light of Christ shine brightly to all those he places around us at work. The truth of the matter is our workplace is truly our worship space. 
That's where we worship God. We bring glory to God by using the gifts that God's given us to honor him. And we thank God for our job by giving God our best in our job. Titus, his purpose was to glorify God. The provision for him to glorify God was to provide organization and leadership to the churches in Crete. That was God's provision for him to fulfill his purpose, which is to bring glory to God. And so we understand students, we got students in here. Your purpose is to bring glory to God in your schools. You're a witness for King Jesus in your schools. Whatever it is that God's called us to, that is his provision for us. Whether it's working in the home or outside the home, as students in school, it's his provision for us to fulfill his purpose for us. His purpose for us is to bring glory and honor and praise to his name. And so we're able to thank God for the provision he's given to us at all the different ages and stages in our lives so that we can give God our best at what he's called us to do. God wants us to fulfill that purpose for us. And, and for those, my brothers and sisters, who, who may be here this morning and you're retired, hey, Welcome to the ministry team. Hey, there's no retirement in the Christian life. No, no. If you're retired, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means you just got more time to give to ministry. That's all it means. You got more time on your hands to pour in to those that God's placed around you. He's gifted you by giving you more time to pour yourself into others. Listen, don't make the mistake. This is for all of us. The goal in life is not for us to make as much money as we possibly can make so we can do what we want to do when we want to do it the way we want to do it. No. It's the world's purpose for us. God's purpose is to glorify him. It's to do all he tells us to do in every ounce of our being, to do it in his strength for his glory. So that as he blesses, guides, and directs us, we're able to use that platform to fulfill our purpose. And our purpose is to glorify him. And when God takes those platforms away and we get to those points in times where we're either in school and we're not yet got to our platform, that's our school. Or we're more off and out of work now and we're, and we're retired in regards to our careers, then, then all that means is we got more time. Got more time to pour into ministry. You see, knowing our purpose for Jesus is good. Fulfilling our purpose for Jesus is best. And we fulfill our purpose for Jesus. It's real simple. We fulfill this purpose by giving ourselves to Jesus, our time, talents, and treasures to him day by day, by growing in our faith in Jesus, getting in the word, spending time in the word, in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, and then by going for Jesus to those God places around us. You see, the sequence is this. We live up and we live in so that we're effective and able to live out. We give to God. We grow in our faith so that we can go out 
and fulfill our purpose. We hit trouble and challenges and difficulties when we go out before we go up and go in. God is renewing our desire this morning. Our identity is in Jesus, and our purpose is for Jesus, to bring glory and honor and praise to his name. But the good news is our power is from Jesus that allows us to do exactly what he's called us to do. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. And, and God wants us to fulfill our purpose. And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, that means walking out in obedience, what God is speaking to us. Maybe you're in that battle with them. Maybe you're in the battle without. And God's calling you to just renew your trust in him, to renew and understand that 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 situation, that even that relationship is God's provision for you to fulfill your purpose. And your purpose is to love that individual like Jesus. Your purpose may be to serve that individual like Jesus. Your purpose may be to forgive that individual and to be kind to that individual. Your purpose may be to go and to bless a brother or sister in Christ here this morning, to minister to brother or sister in Christ, to go and pray with or for a brother or sister in Christ who you know is going through a difficult, challenging time. Our prayer partners will be standing up here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. We don't want anybody to leave carrying a burden that you held tightly as you walked in to our worship center. So these folks would love to pray with you and pray for you. This is God's time for us to respond to him and for us as his people, our brothers and sisters, to move out and minister to one another and bless one another and encourage one another. If you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, that grace of God that we talked about a few moments ago, then why not today, why not here right now, why not right now to say yes to the Father, to receive his gift of salvation by responding to his grace that was shown to you in his son, your Savior, Jesus Christ, as Jesus took your place on the cross and paid your price for sin. He died on the cross, he was buried in the tomb, and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you. And you respond to that grace from God by receiving his gift of salvation by placing your faith in Jesus, repenting of your sins, turning from living your way, turn to the Lord. Confess your sins to him and just ask God to save you. And he'll do just that. Change you from the inside out. For today and for eternity. God is speaking. Let's respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and worship the Lord together.